the news flow to me said, holy moly, Tesla's got some massive liabilities from this shoddy Solar City acquisition they made. They're in trouble. But that trouble is deferred to some future date that we don't know. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 46 of the Tesla Q podcast. Today's episode is going to be called What Matters for Tesla Price? So I'm going to just talk about different things that have occurred and what the share price reaction has been and hasn't been after different events have occurred. So as always, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Tesla Q podcast and become a monthly contributor. If you are a contributor above the $2.10 level per month at that level or above, uh, you'll have access to my watch list of short ideas and a couple of long ideas. Uh, the short ideas are probably more interesting to most listeners of this podcast. And if you want some shorty merchandise, you can go to the shorty store at evacuationboy.com. He had a an offer code for 15% off, which was uh, Q15 months and months ago. I have no idea if he ever took it off or not, so you might check that out uh, if you want a discount on some shorty merchandise. And with that, we'll get into the episode. Uh, this is not an interview episode. This is just me talking. I did pr- produce some notes to read from and uh, work off of in advance, so hopefully this will be a pretty decent episode, even though it's only me talking and not an excellent guest. Uh, I do hope to do some interviews again soon as I get my computer set up in its proper place, and uh, I'll just throw a shout out uh, or an invite out to Mr. Linwood, the lawyer for Vern Unsworth, and say that you have an open invite if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast. I'd uh, be very interested to talk to you, and I'd even let you talk about the the Sandman case in addition to the Unsworth case. So come on board if you want. Uh, and just just a bit ago on Twitter, uh, sounded like Dennis Clark would would be amenable to being a guest at some point. So. Uh, be glad to have you on sometime as well. We could talk some uh, other power sources besides some of the, the common ones that are used, which would possibly be interesting to some listeners. Uh, as I mentioned, I have my, my list of short ideas. Uh, I think it's about 25 names long on the, the short side and a uh, lot fewer names on the long side of that list. Although pers- my personal holdings, I do have more long positions than short positions, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend them all at the current valuations that they're at. So just something that's out there. I I will be updating that list uh, probably on Friday, the 20th of September and uh, pushing out a new update on Patreon uh, just to let everybody know that that's been updated. It'll look basically the same as it's looked since it started, but It'll just be a little bit more up to date with some more notes, some uh, some of my trading notes of what I've actually done with the list. Uh, thing that I noticed within the last couple of days was that Hindenburg Research put out a report on Bloom Energy, 
which uh, is a company that makes uh, they they do fuel cells. I think they're mostly natural gas powered because that's the best best and most widely available fuel for fuel cells, especially for stationary applications like they have. And uh, ironically enough, I first heard about that company in 2008. In the spring of 2008, uh, their CEO actually spoke at an event that I was at back then. So I've, I've been aware of them for quite some time. But uh, enough of the, the introductory stuff. Let's, let's get on with the theme of today's show, which is what actually matters for Tesla's share price. So the, uh, the closing price today, I'm recording this, it's actually after midnight on Thursday, the 19th of September, 2019. So 9-19-19, 9-1-9-1-9, a palindromical date. Uh, but the share price of Tesla today closed at a bit over $246 per share. And for about the last two or three weeks, the share price has been pretty boring, to be honest. And uh, about the only thing that uh, that has made sense as far as news that has driven the stock price was on the 4th of September when the August sales numbers from for the U.S. from Inside EVs came out. And that caused the share price to drop. Uh, and of course, that was the same day as the Porsche Taycan. Ty, Taycan. Need to get that precise pronunciation correct to to have an excellent podcast here. Uh, and also the NTSB report about the autopilot accident where the Tesla drove into the fire truck. That was the same day. So those three news items all came out on the same day. The NTSB report had a very mild impact on the share price. The August deliveries number had a much bigger impact. The Taycan release didn't really have much much of an impact. But uh, since then, from uh, about the 5th of, of September onward, there's not really been any clear connection between any news items and share price movement. Uh, before we get much further into the episode, I'll say that today uh, there was the announcement from Amazon and Rivian that Amazon has agreed to purchase 100,000 delivery vans from Rivian, and those are going to use the this electric vehicle skateboard, quote-unquote, that Rivian has designed, which is going to be common to their truck and their SUV and apparently these delivery vans as well. So I, for me personally... One of the most interesting aspects of that whole situation that I'm interested to see play out is how how the infrastructure will be built for charging and how Amazon, whether they own it, whether they lease it, whether they let Joe Blow, who whoever has an EV, use their charging stations. Like, will they allow Teslas to charge at their charging stations? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. But uh, keep in mind that Amazon Web Services was initially if i'm not mistaken amazon was just building data centers for their own personal use and they realized hey we uh we have some extra capacity here we could lease this out and make a business out of it and ultimately that became their largest cash cow and fueled a bunch of amazon's additional growth so i i don't know that their electric vehicle charging infrastructure will have the same kind of synergies i i seriously doubt it but 
in a similar manner, they may let outsiders use their excess capacity. And how will they power those those charging stations? That's another interesting thing to think about. Uh, some people, of course, would just instantly say, well, of course, they'll just put solar panels out there. But with my background and my views, I'm not sure that that's a good idea. That I don't know that that would be all that economical. But all that said, this Rivian Amazon News had, as far as I could tell, completely no impact on Tesla's share price. So fitting into the theme of the episode, great, great news for Rivian, immaterial to Tesla for today. Now, for those of us in Tesla Q, of course, we have watched Elon Musk, watched him be late on promises. They've been talking about the Tesla Semi for forever. They've been talking about the truck for forever, and they're still very far from production. They've been talking about the Roadster 2 for quite a while. It may be coming in late 2020, who knows, but it's not here yet. But the truck, they haven't even had any real renderings of yet. I've seen tons of conceptual renderings from fanboys and fan sites, but I have yet to see a uh, any anything official from Tesla. Just I've I've just heard Elon talk about how it's going to be a this awesome cyberpunk thing and it's going to be so cool and uh, and these people tell me I'm I'm dumb for making it this way, but it's what I want, so I'm going to make it anyway and all that stuff. Which mostly that's. A very bad paraphrase on my part, but that's basically what he said on the the Recode Decode podcast with Kara Swisher some some number of months ago. But as I said, the Rivian news has no immediate impact on Tesla's share price, but reputationally, it shows once again to those of us in Tesla Q that Elon's made all these promises and he's not delivering on them, whereas... It looks like Rivian is going to be able to deliver much quicker on having some uh, commercial vehicles out there in the world before Tesla does. So good for Rivian, good for RJ Scaringe. Uh Props to you, Jeff Bezos, for, for doing something to help reduce emissions. Uh, I trust, this may be naive of me, but I trust that you, Jeff Bezos, will be more forthcoming and honest about the mining impacts of these vehicles that you'll be using. Whereas uh, from from things that I've seen, Tesla fans, they uh, they have a little too much cognitive dissonance when those items get brought up. So they don't really think deeply about them. Uh, they are really quick to dismiss the blood battery organization, which is against using child labor in Africa for mining cobalt and accuse that of being funded by oil companies and all sorts of silliness when really they should just sit down and think about what are the material inputs necessary to make a gigantic battery that has a hundred kilowatt hour um, capacity or, or whatever. So, and I'll, and Rivian's not perfect in that regard. And I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit at the end towards the end of the episode, at least I plan to, if I don't talk for too long. Uh, But I need to get back to my notes here. So back uh, to the main theme of what actually matters for Tesla's share price. Uh, I talked a lot on the last episode, number 45, about the Walmart lawsuit. So that uh, that came out on the 20th of August, if I'm not mistaken. And 
that caused a fairly substantial drop from that Tuesday to the Wednesday. Um, the Tesla share price closed at just under $226 before that news came out. And after the news came out, it gapped down and fell to under 218 on that Wednesday during the day. And it closed at right about $221. So taking the splitting the difference between that maximum gap of $8 from the Tuesday close to the lowest price on Wednesday and $5 between the closing price on Tuesday and the closing price on Wednesday, we'll call that a drop of $6.50 for one day from the Walmart lawsuit. So the world's largest retailer by revenue, Walmart, decided to sue Tesla because of seven fires at seven different stores that were caused by the installation of Solar City panels, which are now Tesla panels, of course, on Walmart stores. In, a, in addition to 240-ish uh, installations being de-energized to try to prevent additional fires. Uh, so that lawsuit news came out and it was worth about $6.50 for Tesla's share price the following day. So that ended up being very short-lived and uh, the, the share price of Tesla on that following day, Thursday, August 22nd, there was uh, uh, some ridiculous shenanigans that were played. And there was a news article that came out that suggested that Volkswagen was interested in buying Tesla. So that caused a pretty big reversal of the share price drop that was caused by the Walmart lawsuit becoming public. And that caused the share price to come up on that Thursday, the 22nd of August. And additionally... I think it was late in the day, so well after the the bogus Volkswagen buyout rumor. But there was a joint statement out from Tesla and Walmart, which made it sound to some people like Tesla and Walmart were going to play nice, that maybe Walmart wasn't going to hold Tesla's feet to the fire and, and make them actually pay up for the completely shoddy work that they did, which caused loss of property potentially loss of uh, loss of life or injuries from uh, st- fires at, t- at Walmart stores, which Walmart stores generally have a pretty good number of people in them. So that a fire, of course, is fairly easy to evacuate from. But still, people were in actual danger from these fires. So it's not a trivial matter. It's a, a matter of public safety. But uh the joint statement made people think that things were going to be hunky-dory and, and everything. But I think that is a bit of a mistake to think that because there's not a settlement yet. That lawsuit's still out there. So we'll see what happens with it ultimately. And then uh, the, the next day, on that Friday, August 23rd, there was some tariff for trade war news. I was hiking that day, so I don't, I don't know all the details of it. But ultimately, the share price of Tesla dropped a ton that day and ended at just above $210 per share. Uh, Right before the close of the market that day, I covered part of my position and I sold some of my my puts that I had purchased. And that actually turned out to be really, really good timing. In hindsight, I wish I had closed out almost the full position and waited for another entry point, but my crystal ball was broken and I, I guess 
I failed to recognize that most of that share price drop on that Friday was due to macro events and the market has a very short attention span with Tesla's bad news apparently. A lot shorter attention span than than I would expect in a rational thinking world, but we don't live in a rational thinking world, so why should I expect that? The the rapidness of the forgetting about the Walmart lawsuit and everything was very similar to late May when the uh, Tesla share price had just cratered, even after they raised their $2.4 billion net after hedging with their equity deal, uh, along with the Adam Jonas cross-asset call, which caused it to fall even further. But uh, And around that same time, I, I had covered part of my position as well, but didn't didn't close it completely out because there from what I could see, there was nothing that changed story-wise other than there were all the, the leaked emails and ultimately Tesla announced that they delivered 95,200 vehicles in the second quarter, which was an all time record for them. So way to go, Tesla, you lost $408 million on the bottom line. Yes, you had positive free cash flow, but that was partially because of, and inventory drawdown. So the inventory levels of Tesla are going to be a very key part of the story over the next next few quarters, depending on whether they're able to, to move all of the, the vehicles that they actually produce or not. And uh, another thing which made me think that there was no good reason for Tesla's share price to, to recover so quickly after the Walmart lawsuit is the fact that just a little bit after the close on... That same Friday, the 23rd of August, it was brought to light that there was an Amazon facility that also experienced a fire. So not only the number one retailer by revenue, but also the number one retailer by market cap. So both of the two most important United States retailers have experienced fires from installing solar city panels on some of their facilities. So I had no reason to think that Tesla's share price was going to recover quickly from that. That just logically didn't follow in my brain. But somehow my my tweet about saying I was going to buy some September $250 calls if there were no additional fires revealed after the Amazon one, I didn't listen to myself. And uh, well, I did listen to myself. There was the Dana Hole article that mentioned a couple residential fires caused by Solar City panels. But so I, I didn't buy any $250 September calls. I wish I had. It would have been a good, very good move to have covered my full position on the 23rd of August. But the momentum of the news flow from what I could see did not scream to me, hey, Tesla's about to turn things around and, and be in good shape. The news flow to me said, holy moly. Tesla's got some massive liabilities from this shoddy Solar City acquisition they made. They're in trouble, but that trouble is deferred to some future date that we don't know. And little, or much to my surprise, I should say, not little to my surprise, there was not any additional commercial or big company fire revelations about Solar City installations. Why were there no more? Did Tesla pay these other companies off? Did they get them to sign non-disclosure agreements? 
did the fires just not happen? I have no idea. But for whatever reason, after the, the Walmart fire lawsuit came out, the Amazon fire news came out, after that, there have been no new revelations, which is very surprising to me. As, as I said in advance with my um, prop bet with myself, saying that I would buy some Tesla calls if there wasn't additional information about fires. So I lost, I, I basically lost that bet with myself multiple times by not following through with it and by being wrong with it. So womp womp. I am not the world's greatest trader yet. So, and I may never be the world's greatest trader, but I am a podcaster and I do trade some and I'm, I'm actually going to try to trade less in the not too distant future. So we shall see what level of self-restraint I can muster. My initial plan is to try to limit myself to a goal of no more than two options trades per month with a hard cap of five options trades per month. That's my initial thought. I guess I'll try to implement this going into October and following. Uh, that's only That limit is only for options trades, not for outright share positions. So... Just an idea floating around in my head based on my experience of trading a bit too much and not not limiting myself only to higher conviction trades, but just trading too whimsically, I should say. And thinking through that just a bit more, I should say that limit is for opening trades, not closing trades. Closing trades are whatever, but limit my number of new trades opened. So back to the outline on August 25th or 26th, that Sunday night, Monday morning, there was the Bethany McLean Vanity Fair article, which was an excellent article, talked a lot about the Tesla acquisition of Solar City, along with the fact that the solar roof tiles, which were unveiled on the the uh, set of Desperate Housewives back in the fall of 2016, three years ago, are still not available as a widespread viable product. And, of course, they didn't have their connectors at that time. I should mention now that Tesla Charts was recently a guest on the QTR podcast, the Quoth Raven podcast, and almost the entire episode he talked about solar power and solar technologies and such. Things like uh, the fact that you the the power you get directly from a solar panel is direct current, so you have to have an inverter that converts that to alternating current because that's what your house is wired for and what your appliances run out off of. So uh, there's micro inverters or a single inverter. So whether you have the different solar cells routed in parallel versus series, you might have micro inverters for each cell that then feed into your, your power supply, or you might have one, you might have them all going to a single larger inverter. And uh, there, there's been a couple inverter companies that have been in the news a lot lately with their share prices going up a lot over the past year. And that's Enphase and Solar Edge. That's S-E-D-G is Solar Edge and E-N-P-H is Enphase. Uh, so look at their uh, stock price charts if you're interested. I have no idea if their momentum will continue or not, but... They might be interesting to look at for some of you guys and gals out there that listen. I'm going to pause here and take a vocal break. 
Alright, so I'm back. So, yeah, this is, uh, this episode's gonna end up being longer than I expected. So, the Bethany McLean article, she talked about the Solar City acquisition. She talked about the shareholder lawsuit, which we've gotten a lot more information about subsequent to that article coming out. And the share price basically didn't move at all from that article. So that Monday, the 26th of August through Wednesday, the 28th, there was very little share price movement, especially compared to the prior week. Shares pretty much stayed between $212 per share and $218 per share. And they ended that Wednesday at just a bit above $215 per share. The uh, Tesla insurance release was on that Wednesday, the 28th of, of August. As far as I could tell, there was no short-term share price impact from Tesla releasing their insurance. And the long-term impact could actually end up being a positive for Tesla, assuming that they make their insurance product work and provide decent enough service. It could potentially help them increase their sales. But the thing that was surprising to me that day, a little bit surprising, not super surprising, was the fact that the debacle they had with their pricing and their fixing their algorithm for multiple hours. Actually, I think it ended up being over a day or an entire day, maybe a little bit more than a day, almost two days before they got their site up and running again. That had no impact on their share price. But as a Tesla Q person, of course, it confirmed our already held biases that Tesla is utterly dysfunctional. So yay, bear, bias, confirmation, boo, no share price impact at all. So then on uh, Thursday, the 29th of August and Friday, the 30th of August, Tesla's share price gapped up each day, started Thursday at about 218 and finished at just a bit under 221. And then on Friday, it started at over 229 and it touched over 232 on the day then uh, fell back down to 226 by the end of the day and the reason the share price was up those two days was that tesla or that elon was in china and uh there were i think there may have been some videos of uh the giga the so-called gigafactory 3 in shanghai there may have even been a picture of a car that they had they probably hand assembled their out of sub-assemblies that were made over in Fremont. But because Elon was in China, the share price went up those days. So in the absence of, of any real substantive news, the China pump worked. So yay for Elon. He got a little bit more, more margin before the quarter three results are final and unveiled. The following week was Labor Day week, so it was only a four-day week for the market. Uh, that was September 3rd through the 6th, and it was mostly a boring week other than Wednesday, the 4th of September, which of course had the Porsche Taycan reveal, Taycan, Taycan. Uh, not really any immediate share price impact from that for Tesla. The NTSB report about the autopilot accident that involved the fire truck being hit, that seemed to have a little bit of a share price drop from my observations with when that news propagated, but any movement was very short-lived and, and it was basically flat after that, if I, if I remember right. Uh, so short-term wise, that news about autopilot had very little impact. Long-term wise, it could have a substantial impact. On one hand, if the NHTSA were to recall autopilot, that would be a big negative for Tesla. 
if Tesla ends up being the runaway winner in automotive or autonomous vehicle technology, then that would be a huge positive for Tesla. So it's kind of a binary thing there with the autopilot insurance coverage with autopilot. uh, Apparently private insurers, some of them have been reluctant or completely opposed to insuring vehicles that have autopilot as a, an option. So there's that aspect, but with Tesla having their own insurance product, Maybe that won't matter. But the third thing that happened on Wednesday, the 4th of September, actually did have a substantial, a clear and substantial share price impact. And that was the Inside EV's August United States deliveries estimate, which was for 13,150 Model 3s. I forget the exact number of Model S's and X's, but they were lower than 2018. And when that news came out, Tesla share price fell quite a bit. It went from about 224 to as low as a, under 218 within an hour. So about a $5 drop within an hour, which compare that to the what I called $6.50 drop for the day after the Walmart lawsuit. It's a pretty substantial drop. So fortunately for Tesla and for Elon Musk, I guess, the market closed at 4 p.m. that day per usual and the share price ended up closing the day at $220.50, roughly. I didn't look up these exact numbers, so they're not exact. They're rough numbers. And then, uh, for some reason, on Thursday, the 5th of September, Tesla's share price started ramping. Uh, I probably should have looked up what exactly happened that day. But uh, it opened the day at about $222, so it, it closed about $220.50 on Wednesday, gapped up to $222 by the open on Thursday and it was up to just under $230 per share by about 2 p.m. And I'm actually going to pause here and look up real quick to see if there was anything of any substance that should have caused that that price rise. That was almost a $10 price rise on Thursday, the 5th of September. And I'm I'm just going to pause right now. I there won't be a pause for you guys listening. But I'm going to go see what happened on the morning of the 5th of September. And I'm back. And from what I remember, that day, that Thursday, the 5th of November, there wasn't any Tesla company-specific news. But I think there was some, some kind of tariff China trade war news, which caused a bunch of different hardware companies. I saw that, uh, I think, NVIDIA, Skyworks, several other companies that produce hardware had pretty big share price rises that day. So I think it was related to trade war tariff stuff and hardware companies benefited greatly that day. And Tesla, of course, is a hardware company. They're a car company. They have a uh, lot of capital infrastructure that they need for producing their vehicles. People say they're a software company, but they're a car company, an automotive company, and one that's not very efficient in a lot of ways. So... Then on Friday, the 6th of, of September, the share price pretty much hovered right around that same level, just below $230 per share. On my my chart that I've drawn, my price chart for Tesla, I have some uh, Fibonacci levels at Tesla's all-time peak, and then I have a, a 0% level. So the all-time peak, roughly, is the 100% level. 0% level is about where the share price ended up at the very beginning of June, end of May. 
So it's got levels between there, and the 23.2% level is 229.80 on what I've drawn. So that looked like a pretty good level of resistance for for that time being of uh, September the 6th. So Tesla share price stayed right below that level. So I was feeling pretty good. Hey, I, I got that, that resistance going on there. So yay. Um, but ultimately, in the absence of any actual real news, the Gigafactory 3 progress in Shanghai, the so-called Gigafactory 3, which I've affectionately called the Kilo Factory, since it's only going to have a capacity of 150,000 vehicles, ultimately, or within the the foreseeable future. Various pictures and photos of that have, have continued to filter through the Tesla media sphere, which is what I would call Inside EVs and Tesla Roddy and uh, Clean Technica and some of these other places that are extremely pro-Tesla all the time. Uh, so they put out renderings of the Tesla pickup and all this stuff. But but that filtering of, of photos caused the share price to slowly melt up because uh, there was no other news. So why not? Let's bid the share price up. Uh, another thing that's been going on is there's been tons of videos of people using autopilot, which for those of us in Tesla Q, of course, we are deeply offended by those sometimes because these people are using autopilot in a manner that it's not supposed to be used. You're supposed to be able to immediately take back over the wheel and take, take over control of the car again. But there's tons of videos of people that are not using it in that manner. They're literally, or at least give the appearance of literally being asleep at the wheel. And that's not safe to the roadways, not safe, absolutely not courteous to the other people using the public roadways. So those of us in Tesla Q get deeply offended by that, those videos. But some Tesla fans and people that believe Elon are just think that that's so cool. He's he's so far ahead of everybody else with autopilot. So those videos, I guess, help Tesla in that regard and help the share price maybe a little bit in the, the immediate term. On Saturday, the 7th of September, there was a treasure trove of documents that came out about the Solar City lawsuit. And in the long term, I think those could end up being pretty damaging, depending on maybe not so damaging to Tesla directly with any corporate liabilities, but the individual directors of Tesla may have some substantial liabilities due to their lack of meeting their fiduciary duties as a director of Tesla in approving the solar city bailout slash acquisition. So in the long term, maybe it'll have an impact in the short term. It didn't have any share price impact. So lots of great uh, fodder for Tesla Q, but no share price movement. So on Monday, the 9th of September, the the share price stayed below that same 230 level, which I mentioned was my 23.2% level with my Fibonacci lines that I've drawn on my, my chart. So means nothing. Ultimately, it's just, just a number on a chart. But then on Tuesday, the 
10th of September, and then even more so on Wednesday the 11th of September, Tesla broke above that level, and when it broke above that level, it just kind of took off. So maybe there was something to that level, and it was some sort of technical breakout, and it took the share price from that just below $230 level all the way up to as high as $253.50, which is right around the uh, apparent resistance level, which used to be a support level back when Tesla bounced higher from that level in 2018. So right around just above 250, 252, 253, something like that. So, but when it hit that level this time, it bounced down pretty sharply from it. So it looked to be pretty hard resistance. And since then, it's it's pretty much stayed between 241 and 248. And it's been pretty sleepy and boring. And Tesla's trading volume has been pretty low. So I am not a technical analysis guru. But once once it cleared that that level, that Fibonacci level on my chart, it rocketed upward crazily. But then it hit that resistance level and bounced down sharply. And it's been really boring and sleepy since then. And of course, hitting that, getting up to 253.50, if I had listened to my prop bet, which I tweeted on the 23rd of August, saying if there aren't any additional fires revealed after this Amazon one, I will buy at least one $250 September Tesla call. If I had listened to myself, or if I'd go, gone above and beyond and bought multiple $250 Tesla calls, that would have been a pretty substantial percentage gain with Tesla hitting 253.50 on the 11th of September. But alas, I didn't, as I mentioned earlier. So on this past Monday, the 16th of September, there were documents from the Vern Unsworth defamation lawsuit, which became public thanks to Elon Musk and his law team requesting summary judgment in that suit. And in the long term, this could be pretty damaging to Elon Musk. It won't be damaging to Tesla directly because the liabilities will be solely Elon Musk's. Probably around 20 to $25 million is my current guess. That's by no means supposed to be accurate. It's just I, I really like to estimate things, so... That's something that I've estimated, 20 to $25 million. And we may never know that publicly because it'll probably get settled and sealed or something if Elon's smart. And of course, that didn't have any impact on Tesla's share price, uh, despite the numerous, numerous articles that came out about it, citing different quotes from the depositions and all sorts of stuff. So in the grand scheme of things, it'll be a just a small very small blip for Tesla, but also a small blip for Elon in his his personal finances as he's a 15 billionaire or whatever whatever he is now. So 25 million out of 15 billion is is not that much, despite any apparent illiquidity that he may currently have, which I tweeted about that earlier in the week. And former guest Ed McCabe did mention that Elon is probably more liquid than than many of Tesla Q people think. So considering the number of different companies that he has shares in, he probably is more liquid than, than we think. 
But part of that is because of the shell game of having all those different companies and, and holdings in different companies. So enough about Elon's personal finances. Ultimately, the Vernonsworth defamation lawsuit provides tons and tons of fodder for Tesla Q Twitter. Tons for us to talk about. Tons of jokes for us to make. Uh, one of my favorites is the joke about, uh, yeah, pedo. That was just a... Uh, that was just something we said on the South African playground when I was a kid. Bull crap, Elon Musk. That's the, that's the most ridiculous, absurd thing out of that whole thing. But it makes for funny jokes on Twitter. I sorry, I'm I'm getting a little little elevated, heated. That that whole situation, the whole Unsworth situation, was a substantial factor in driving me as as deeply into the Tesla cube side of Twitter as, as I ultimately got. So tons of Tesla Q fodder, but not really any impact on Tesla's share price. And really it shouldn't because Tesla's finances and their, and the Tesla business model are what ultimately will drive Tesla's share price, not Elon Musk's lack of personal character. So Tesla's closed Thursday, the 19th of September at two hundred and forty six dollars and sixty cents so from that two hundred ten dollar level approximately that it fell to on friday august 23rd it's gained about 36 bucks since then by today the 19th of september and really the only material to tesla's near-term business results item in that whole period was the inside evs estimated August U.S. delivery number, which was 13,150 Model 3s, a little over 1,000 Model S's, and maybe 1,800 Model X's. I don't remember the exact numbers, but whatever it was, it was down from July of 2019 and down from August of 2018. So ultimately, that number is going to be the most significant number in playing into Tesla's share price on a, a longer term. I, as I mentioned earlier, played play short term too much and need to do better and get away from that and focus more on the long term. But I am a work in progress. I'm still a young investor, so I hope to get better over time. I have hopefully decades and decades of investing in front of me. So hopefully I'll get to take advantage of lessons learned from this saga that we're in now following Tesla. So Tons of not directly business-related news has come out, but the relative silence on the actual business results front has allowed Tesla's share price to gradually melt up based on the hopes and dreams of Tesla fans and people who actually believe things that Elon Musk says, like, this guy took a child bride when she was 12, when he completely didn't, which your motion to get summary judgment showed, Elon. Come on, man. I'm getting heated again. So one of those things, the hopes and dreams of Tesla fans that's come out during this interim period is the Plaid platform or Plaid, whatever, Model X Plaid, Model S Plaid Roadster with three motors and different suspension and all this stuff. And uh, thanks to Porsche releasing their Taycan on the 4th of September, Elon Musk has gotten into what I would call a virtue signal measuring contest. So there's a term that people often use. uh, They refer to a measuring contest, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, 
Don't worry about it. But Elon is currently in a virtue signal measuring contest with Porsche, where lap times at Laguna Seca or the Nürburgring are highly important. And yay, fast lap times, fast zero to 60 times. That's awesome. That helps the environment a ton. Wait, no, it doesn't. Um, but but late in the day today, on the 19th of, of September 2019, 9-1-9-1-9, palindromical day, the last palindromical day of this 10-day ten, ten stretch of palindromes, there was a video that came out that showed a Tesla Model S at the Nürburgring on the side of the track in front of a flatbed, or behind a flatbed, I guess, and then they covered it with a car cover and put it on the flatbed. And while it was sitting there on the side of the track at the Nürburgring, a Porsche Taycan drove right around it, which was just a fantastic video. Uh, it, it's not entirely clear to me that the Tesla broke down, but maybe. I don't know if the battery overheated or what, but I do know that, that Tesla tweeted some information about their, their time at the Nürburgring, where they had a, a color-coded graph of the power output of of their vehicle at different points. So what it looks like is is like they stitched together the best case of a number of different runs around the track. And Tesla Q being Tesla Q, we've had some people that have been trying to match up the colors on that graph with with the key on the side, and some uh, somebody else was doing some integration to try to figure out what the what the speed of the the vehicle would be based on the acceleration and deceleration because of course acceleration is the derivative of speed the rate of change of speed so if you're given power in theory you can back calculate and get the speed at different points but what it looks like is tesla stitched together their best best part of best runs at each part of the track and then came up with a theoretical lap time and said it was 720 and that with further improvements they think that they can get to 705 but what's not clear to me is that any of the laps that the the model s did was even a single continuous lap so i posed the question on twitter this evening of did a Tesla Model S even do one single continuous lap during this time of testing at the Nürburgring? I really hope that they did complete a whole single lap, but based on the data they released, it's not clear. Tesla is not the most forthcoming company, of course. So I don't know the story, but I am very, very suspicious or uh, I'm very suspicious of Tesla's specious claims which are highly suspect. So lots of different words you can use there. Pick your own favorite word. But uh, my main point of using this term virtue signal measuring contest is that almost universally Tesla fans that I've observed seem to be enamored and ever, ever so proud of their longer ranges that they proclaim and their faster zero to 60 times. And they all seem to be on the bandwagon of, of the pure battery electric vehicle being the best thing. And uh, plug-in hybrid electric vehicles are basically heretical from their viewpoint. And this brings up a bigger point to me, or bigger point that I think about a lot, about what is the optimal vehicle architecture. Because there's 
a lot of plug-in hybrid architectures that you could conceive of, some that have actually been put into production and are being taken out of production in some cases, rest in peace, Volt, that these architectures could eliminate 95% of combustion-related emissions for most people's driving needs and would still have the capability to have 300, 350, maybe even 400 miles of range with a range-extending engine in them. So you get the best of both worlds. You eliminate range anxiety and you eliminate 95% of emissions by having battery-only power for your daily commute. So from my viewpoint, anything above 350 miles of range for a battery is almost superfluous for for a personal vehicle that is and just based on people's regular driving cadences like people due to biology people have to take bathroom breaks and stuff so anything above 350 miles is, is in some ways excessive and just the resource use of of that larger battery i see a lot of benefit from plug-in hybrid electric vehicles but so many people think that they're impure because they still have an internal combustion engine it's a it's a weird dogmatic thing and some numbers could show very clearly what the actual optimum solution would be and despite my previous praise for Rivian they are purely battery electric vehicle as far as I know so they may not they're they're not perfect either so i i shouldn't imply that rivian is perfect by any means and uh this point about vehicle architectures came to my mind earlier today uh somebody tweeted a screenshot from tesla motor clubs and the post was something to the effect of well sure rivian has this order for 100,000 vehicles from amazon but but just wait until elon releases the the tesla competitive version and blows their specs away and my immediate reaction to that was if if Rivian meets the capabilities that Amazon needs for for the vehicle's purpose, it doesn't matter if Tesla has better specs, better range, better zero to 60 time, because the vehicle will be capable of doing what it needs to do and probably at a lower price point than it would be if it had some higher range that it doesn't need or faster zero to 60 time that it doesn't need. So that whole viewpoint that Tesla fans have just is off base from my perspective. So meeting the capabilities needed for the customer is what's important. So some customers may have warped views of what they need, but I imagine that Amazon will require only what they need and probably not much more. So all that said, this whole Taycan Model S Plaid virtue signal measuring contest is silly, in my opinion. And it definitely has almost no bearing on the near-term or medium-term price movement of Tesla's equity. And lap times at Laguna Seca or Nürburgring also will not drive share prices. I do appreciate that Elon Musk has inspired me to, to bust out my, my old PlayStation 3 and try to get in some laps on the Nürburgring. I'm afraid I'm going to have to unlock the track to be able to do some laps, but I will plan to try to do that in the near future. I don't know if I'll get to it tomorrow, but maybe. Uh, another thing that came out today that I saw was that the 
Insurance Institute for Highway Safety released their rating for their for Tesla's Model Three, which I think they uh, I think they did the testing like three or four or five weeks ago, and that I don't think had any immediate impact on Tesla's share price. If that information truly helps Tesla's to be able to be insured for cheaper rates by independent insurers, then that would be a positive for Tesla. I don't think it'll really have any impact on Tesla's own insurance product, but we'll see. But in the immediate term, I don't see any any major share price impact. So in summary, things that matter for Tesla's share price. Defamation lawsuits don't really matter. Walmart lawsuits only matter for a very short period of time. Buyout rumors from uh, about Volkswagen allegedly thinking about buying Tesla apparently do impact the share price, but only only about as long as the Walmart lawsuit. Plaid drivetrains apparently can help melt the price up. China pictures pictures of the the Shanghai factory that that can help drive the share price up a little bit. But what's ultimately going to matter is the cash balance. So Tesla's actual business results, the cash balance they're able to show, the gap profitability that they're able to show, number of deliveries they're able to maintain, whether the initial surge of demand for the Model 3 gets depleted or fulfilled, I should say, in short order such that the ongoing demand is not as high. That's something that'll be important. So what's ultimately going to matter is in about two weeks on October 2nd or 3rd, when Tesla releases their official delivery numbers, which is a more accurate measure than Inside EV's estimates, clearly, because it's directly from the source, that will matter either positively or negatively. And then a few weeks later, probably around the mid-20s of October, maybe maybe even later in October, when the quarter three financials come out, that will be important. So the the main reason that the share price decline of May of April through May that was driven by the quarter one really crappy results that Tesla put out and then the equity raise and then the cross asset call from Adam Jonas the reason that 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 decline was subsided was because Tesla had record deliveries for quarter 2 and of course, then they reported their loss for quarter two, but as part of reporting that loss, they still were able to report that they had $5 billion of cash on hand as of June 30th, 2019, as opposed to the $2.4 billion, I think is what they had, as of March 31st. So they went from $2.4 to $5 billion. So if they fall from $5 billion to, say, $4.2 billion, they'll still be in okay shape. I mean, they're not going to go bankrupt immediately or anything, but keep in mind in November, they have $560 million that they have to pay for some convertible debt from solar city. And they have another 160 million that's due, I think in December now, which they'll probably get pushed back into 2020 sometime. Then they have another payment due in March of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So the biggest key is whether they're able to sell all the vehicles they make so or close to it. And if, if they have inventory building, building inventory means depleting cash. So there's a, a definitely a tough balance that they're going to going to be trying to meet. So 
We'll see what happens. Don't see any immediate bankruptcy for Tesla, which I know that'll just hurt the hearts of all the the Tesla bulls that will listen to this, which is probably like three people. But ultimately, they have yet to show any consistent ability to make a profit. So we'll see if they turn it around. Uh, I'm still quite short Tesla, so I still don't believe they're going to turn it around. So we'll see what happens. As always, I appreciate you listening. Sorry that it's been so long since I've been regularly putting out episodes. It's only the the second one in the last month, so apologies for that. But I do plan to do more in the near future. And if you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Join up at that $2.10 or more per month level if you want to have access to the, the list of short candidates. And if you want shorty merch, go to evacuationboy.com. Type in Q15, see if you still get that 15% discount. I don't know if you will or not, but it's worth a shot. So thanks for listening, and bye bye